I want you to go with me for a few moments tonight and I will not be lengthy in my remarks, but I want to take you to a very familiar portion of scripture found in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 4 and I read from the New Living Translation. I believe they're going to have that before you so you can read along with me. But it reads like this. Paul said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. I read this again today, and this particular part of that text just uh, seized my thoughts. If you will do these things that he has mentioned, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Underscore that. His peace will guard your mind, your hearts as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, and everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And we say an amen to the word of the Lord tonight. I don't really have a sermon title, but I do want to talk to you for just a few moments about putting the proper shape to life. And by that, I mean, as you perhaps would understand, that Everything that happens to us in life has a way of shaping life. The good and the bad. The present circumstances and all that we are dealing with right now have a way of shaping life. And what I want to talk to you for a few moments about tonight is putting the proper shape to life. The month of September for our church has been designated as a month of prayer and fasting that is leading up to our prayer conference the first week of October. I believe this is a critical time for our church and it is very important that we remember our commitments and I am so thrilled by what I have seen, the sign-up sheets of those of you who have signed up for days of prayer and 
days of fasting. And I believe all of that is going to translate into some wonderful things for our church. But if there's anything that I could say tonight that would help encourage you along those lines, I believe that Paul's writing to the Philippian church is very much in tune with what you and I need to hear right now. That we would put the proper shape to life. And I believe that that's what our endeavor this month, the prayer and fasting, I believe that is what it will do. Because life has a way of pressing you into its mold. And Paul talked to the Romans about not being conformed to this world The word conform means to be pressed into its mold, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so it is important that we have the right things shaping our lives and influencing our lives in the moments in which we now live. I think most of you would agree that we are living in a world that is coming apart at the very seams. It's, it appears to me that on a daily basis there is this unraveling of the very fabric of life that takes place all around us. The tensions of life are so high that many times people feel hopeless and helpless in their present situation. There is much to be worried about and there is much to be anxious over in our present situation. And I believe that people are feeling that stress and that strain uh, on a daily basis. And I don't believe that as the church, you and I are exempt from those stresses, nor are we exempt from the strain that life will bring to us, but we do have an alternative. We do have an antidote to these times in which we now live. And that's what Paul addressed in his writings to the Philippian church. So much of life is shaped by what happens to us. And Paul admonishes us That there is a better way of living. There's a better way of life than just allowing circumstances or life and its many changes and uh, all of the, the things that happen that it would press you into its mold and force you into a shape that would not be uh, consistent with your Christian walk. And some of the weightiest and perhaps the most profound. I know some of the loveliest things that have been written are found here in our text. And the wisest counsel that could be given in times like these are found in this setting in Philippians. It is the secret to a life less stressed. Is there anybody interested in a life less stressed? Is there anyone interested in a life of more happiness and greater peace? Then 
I'm going to encourage you to stay connected to me for the next few minutes as I share with you what I feel like the Holy Ghost would want us to understand that there is counsel here for you and I to follow and observe and we we need to give heed to the word of the Lord tonight. If anybody knew what uh, stress was about, Paul certainly knew something about stress. If anybody knew how to talk about anxiety, I'm certain that Paul knew how to talk to us about the pull of life, the stress and the strain of life that are so very real because for him and for the New Testament church life as it ever is was a worrying thing because we are vulnerable to its changes and all of the chances and circumstances of life the vicissitudes of life they they have a way of affecting us and Paul addresses that in our text tonight and he uses some words in this writing that I want to draw your attention to again. Not that you have never heard this before, but just as a way of reminder. But the Greek word that Paul used here that is translated careful, be careful for nothing. The word we would use would be anxious for nothing. Literally means to be pulled in different directions. So when Paul is talking to us about this anxiety of life, this pulling in different directions, he is talking about a very real experience that you and I encounter in life. Because at one hand, there are hopes and desires and dreams that is pulling us in one direction And at the very same time, there are fears and worries and perhaps even some doubts that are pulling us in another direction. We know what the word of the Lord says, but there is a humanity about us that still has to deal with the weakness of our flesh. And so there is this tension that we feel, this pulling apart and pulling in opposite direction. That's the word that he uses here when he talks about being careful for nothing. And then the old English root for the word from which we get our word worry from literally means to strangle. And so Paul is, uh, he's addressing something that is very real to you and I. This, this pulling uh, of, of life, this strain that comes to us and the strangling effect that it has. Sometimes we feel like that life is just taking the very wind out of us. Worry has that capability of doing that. It literally strangles you, the strangles the life out of you and There are so many other effects, physical effects and consequences to worry and to anxiety. And and medical science is discovering more and more every day of how those two things affect 
the human condition. Worry has a way of affecting our physical being, headaches and, and ulcers and, and so many other issues that come. But worry also has an effect upon not only our physical being, but our spiritual being because it affects our thinking. And Paul addresses two things in our text that are so important for us to guard. And that is our heart and our mind. Our heart and our mind. Those two arenas of life are so critical to our well-being. And if we're not careful, our heart can become overwhelmed and our mind can become clouded by the circumstances that we are presently enduring and we feel like there's no hope, there's no way out, there's not an answer. But I have come tonight to tell you there is an answer and there is a way out. And it's something that all of us know about, but sometimes we do not utilize what we already know. Amen. I don't know of anything in life that is a greater thief than worry or anxiety. It steals so much from us on a daily basis. The peace, the joy, the happiness, the contentment. All of those things are stolen away from the heart of a man or a woman who gives himself to worry and anxiety. You can tell yourself to quit worrying and you can tell yourself to quit being anxious, but it doesn't always make a difference. But it won't always happen just because you say, don't do it anymore. What I've learned about living for God is not so much about telling myself not to do something as it is to tell myself what I need to do because when I learn what I need to do, I don't have to worry about what I don't need to do. And that's what I want to focus your attention on for just a few moments tonight. Paul explains in our text the secret of victory over this worrisomeness of life, over this stress and strain and anxiety. Paul's solution to this worrisomeness of life was something very simple and yet extremely profound, and that is prayer. 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 Paul's Solution, Paul's answer to this stress and strain of life is prayer. But not just as some of us think of prayer, because to a lot of people, prayer is just simply telling God what your needs are, or telling God what your problems are. And oh, my friend, prayer is so much more than that. And Paul helps us. In this text, understand the full scope of what prayer should involve. And and when you see it, and when you begin to embrace it, more importantly, when you begin to practice it, it will make a profound difference in your life. Paul said, if you'll do these things, then there's going to be a peace of God that's going to keep you. The word keep there is a military term that speaks of a garrison of soldiers that are guarding something that is dear and precious. So when we pray, 
the way Paul talks about us praying. When we understand the full scope of how we ought to pray, then Paul says that becomes a, a, a means of producing in our life a peace that is powerful beyond description. And Paul talks about this peace of God that will literally keep you. It will garrison you. It will not allow your heart and mind to be hijacked by these thieves that come in to steal away your joy or steal away your peace and steal away your contentment that when you allow the work of God to take place in your life and you pray as Paul talked about praying, then you open an avenue of protection for your life. It will drive away all of those intruders that are unwelcome and unwanted. The areas of my life that are most vulnerable, my heart and my mind, and that is what the peace of God will watch. It will guard my feelings, my thinking, and how how powerful those two aspects of life are. My emotions, my feelings, my thoughts, my thinking, how they affect the whole scope of my life. And Paul said that if you will pray, if you will not be careful, if you will not be anxious, if you won't be pulled, if you won't allow yourself to be pulled, but pray, 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 and pray. And when you do that, God is going to come with a garrison and he's going to put a guard around your life that will not allow these other invaders to come in. You know, it's a great experience to, to experience peace with God, but it's even more powerful to know the peace of God. Oh, my friend, that peace takes us deeper into God's promises than anything that I know of. And it will guard you and it will guide you through this landfill of minds that we are navigating in this hour. And so this is where it begins. Paul said, pray. I, I, I would that you would say that word out loud at home right now. Pray, pray. Pray. Let me go back and read the scripture. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything, yes, everything. Not just the big stuff, but everything. Not just the, the, the stuff that cries for your attention, but everything. Because this is what I've learned about life. I have learned that it's not always the big stuff that takes me down. It's not always the major crises that cause me the greatest trouble. But it's the annoyances of life that continually swirl around us that bring us to distraction. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you right now, the secret is to pray about everything, everything, every day, all day pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Amen. I am believing tonight that God's going to help somebody understand the power of what this 
passage of scripture can mean to their life. Pray about everything. I, I remember hearing uh, an account of some men who went out into the swamps of Louisiana on a camping trip and uh, they were trying to enjoy their stay. They had a lot of of adversities around them, alligators and snakes and all kinds of other issues to deal with. But uh, they they were so distracted by the mosquitoes that they, they just about lost their mind. And finally, one of the men was heard praying, Oh God, would you help us with these mosquitoes? Because we can handle the alligators and the snakes. And as humorous as that may seem, the truth is, it's those little things in life that wear us down. And that's why Paul said you need to pray about everything, everything. Someone wisely said this, a day hemmed in prayer is less likely to unravel. A day hemmed in prayer is less likely to unravel. Let me share with you how to keep life from unraveling in this present circumstance. Let me share with you tonight what will help reduce the stress in your life and bring the levels of anxiety down in your life. And it's something that you already know, but sometimes we don't always practice what we know. Three different words are used in Paul's writing to describe what he meant when he said pray about everything. He talks about prayer, he talks about supplication, and he talks about thanksgiving. Those three components are critical to powerful praying. Prayer, let's start with that. Prayer carries the idea of adoration and worship. As a matter of fact, when you look up the meaning of the Greek word prayer that Paul uses, well, the first word that's used to define it is worship. Worship. Not just telling him what we need. That's what we're good at. That's what most of us think prayer is. But we can, we're going to tell God what we need. We're going to tell him about all our problems. We're going to lay it all out before him. And, and God's going to hear and answer. But the first step should always be the step of worship. That when you began to worship, I've never found it to fail in my life. That when I am overwhelmed with a problem that I don't know what to do with, if I will first enter into a season of worship and begin to exalt the Lord, it's amazing how that season of worship can transform my whole circumstance and environment and help me see things in a different light. That's why it's so critical when we come together as a body that we worship the Lord together because that is setting the stage for the next thing that God wants to do in our life. And when worry comes, when worry comes, the first thing that you and I need to do is stop for a moment and just start worshiping. Amen. Worshiping. It's amazing when you start worshiping 
how your problems begin to diminish. That when you begin to worship and you, you begin to exalt and praise his majesty and his might. And you begin to talk about his power and his glory. It's amazing how my problems begin to shrink in size. You know, you can take a dime, which is one of the smallest coins. Uh, it is uh, our smallest coin in America. But you can take a dime that's no larger than that right there. And if you put it close enough to your eye, you can block the entirety of the sun, which is hundreds of thousands of times larger. What I'm saying is that if you're not careful, life can become like that dime. And if you allow it, it will get so close and it will become so part of your life that it will block out the whole entirety of God's goodness and mercy. That's why it's so important that you take a moment and pause for worship. That's not a waste of time. Worship has never been a waste of time or energy, but worship is the preparation that helps me move into that next dimension. And I can never really be effective in that next dimension until I've learned how to walk in this dimension. So I'm telling somebody tonight whose life is being pulled by worry and stress and anxiety and your mind is overwhelmed and your heart doesn't know what to do. You need to stop for a little while right now and just have you a time of worship. Just begin to magnify and exalt and lift up the name of the Lord and watch what happens to your mind and your heart in relationship to your problem. Amen. It is so critical. Praying, worship. And then he uses the word supplication. That means the petition, my need, my request, the earnest sharing of my problems. You see, there comes with this a spiritual intensity. And this is what I've discovered about prayer. That when I enter into it with worship first, when I come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, that when I come to this point in my prayer, when I come to this time of letting my need be known, there is an intensity in my prayer. There is a passion in my prayer that will help bring something to pass. The scripture says it is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. And so when we cry out in supplication, we are letting our needs be known. We are telling him our problem. There's nothing wrong with telling God your problems. As a matter of fact, most of us would do a whole lot better off if we would stop telling everybody else our problem and start talking to God about our problem and do it in the way that Paul tells us to do it. Begin with worship and then come with your need. Come with your problem. Let your petition be known. And then he wraps it all up by saying, last but not least, let there be thanksgiving. Let there be appreciation. 
You see, when you stop to thank God, you are looking back over what God's already done in your life. And you're looking to what God has already taken care of. And then in faith, you're looking to the future that the God who did this is able to do that. And the God that did that is able to take care of this. And so when there is a true spirit of thanksgiving in our heart, it goes into the past, it deals with the present, and it reaches to the future. And something powerful happens when you and I take time to give thanks. I'm telling you, the greatest sin... The most unpardonable sin that I know of in all of life is the sin of unthankfulness. It is the sin of those nine lepers who though they were cleansed of their leprosy did not take time to go back and say thanks. I want to tell you tonight that there is something far worse than leprosy and that is an unthankful heart. That is someone who doesn't realize that the reason you are where you are is because of what God has already done in your life. I've said it before, I say it again tonight, and I was told this is just a young man, that if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing is certain, he didn't get there by himself. And you and I are that turtle on the fence post. We didn't get where we are tonight because of our own ingenuity or our own strength. We got here because the hand of God was on us and led us and kept us and and is still keeping us and on us tonight. And so we need to take a little time and just give thanks. Oh, it's so good to give thanks unto the Lord. That's what the psalmist said. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Appreciate all that he's done. As much as you and I love to be appreciated, how can you not understand that God loves that you appreciate what he does On a daily basis, he daily loads us with benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And he goes into all of the benefits and that, that that God had provided. And one of those is that you daily load us with benefits and blessings. God has done so much for us tonight. We cannot be thankless. We cannot be silent. Somebody needs to lift up their voice right now and offer thanks to him even this very moment. You say, but I don't have anything to be thankful for. Oh, yes, you do. You're breathing right now. You're still alive. You're not six feet under. Amen. Some of you may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you could have been if it had not been for the goodness and grace of God. And so you need to pause and give thanks unto the Lord for his blessings and goodness to your life. When you do that, there's going to be a powerful transformation in your life. When you worship when you let your need be known, when you, you you supplicate before the Lord, and when you offer thanksgiving unto the Lord, those three things have a powerful effect and influence over something critical that Paul understood was at the root and the source of worry to begin with, and that was the mind.
And when you pray, prayer will help write your thinking. Amen. It will help shape your life rather than allowing life to shape your life. When you pray that you are literally taking charge of your situation and I am not going to be the victim of life, I am going to be the victor in life and pray. And when you pray and when you let your needs be known and you, you, you let your requests be known and then you give it the thanksgiving and, and the appreciation that is deserving of one as our Lord, then it's going to begin to affect and influence your mind. And so he wraps all of this text up by saying, now one final thing, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are worthy, lovely, if there be any anything good come out of this, let these thoughts be your thoughts. Here's what he's saying. The only right way to right a person's wrong thinking is to begin with worship that leads to petition that ends in thanksgiving and when you follow those simple steps God is going to bring transformation into your life right thinking then yields to right living and it all begins with prayer hallelujah Let's pray right now. God, you know where we are. And you know everything that we're dealing with tonight. Every person under the sound of my voice that's feeling the stress and the strain of life, they're pulled in two different directions. I'm asking you right now to come near and strengthen them and remind them that prayer is their greatest defense in this critical hour in which we live. And help us, Lord, to learn the fullness of prayer, that we would enter with worship, that we would make our needs known, and we would end it with thanksgiving. And in so doing, God, there is transformation that's going to come. I pray for your blessings upon this church family tonight and the strengthening of your hand upon all of your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for joining with us. We look forward to seeing all of you this coming Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.